It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. Joining me as ever is Alistair Gold. Ali, how are you? Good, I'm good. Tottenham Hotspur at top of the table. Had a busy weekend, Kenilworth Road on the Saturday, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for the NFL on the Sunday. And today we discuss it all. Um, you know, can't, can't grumble with Spurs top of the table, quite frankly. No, not at all. So Tottenham top of the pile following that Mickey van der Ven winner in the 52nd minute at Kenilworth Road on Saturday. As we'd said on the previous pods, if Spurs, you know, collected all three points in Bedfordshire, then they would be top of the pile, but then potentially could drop down a place depending on the result in the Arsenal City game. Arsenal won 1-0. It means Spurs stay top on goal scored and... Not a bad place to be eight games into the season. It's one of those where you've really got to stop yourself getting carried away. <laughs> it's very difficult. Spurs fans, we don't get to look down on every other team from the top of the table much. Um, so, yeah, and especially the kind of football. And I mean, my goodness, the football in that first, what, 15, 20 minutes on Saturday was just ridiculous. Spurs should have been like six or seven nil up. I, I, I exaggerate, but they definitely should have been maybe at least three goals up. Um, and it is, it's really difficult to, for everyone to keep their feet on the ground right now. I, I think that probably the main people that are doing that, thankfully, are Postacoglu and his players um, and the media. I love the fact that, you know, there's been very kind of little mention that Spurs are top of the table. It's, it's still about all the other clubs, which I think is exactly how we and Postacoglu probably want it. He loves being an underdog. He loves people kind of just overlooking him and his teams. And, who knows? It might actually serve to their advantage as the months go on. But uh, there's a long way to go, but really promising signs. And just also just a massive indication of how much the players have bought into the Postacoglu way um, because he's been at other clubs and it has not happened this quickly, this transformation of a squad and the way that they think and the way that the entire club thinks. And I think I've said this before, but I'll go back to it. I just think Spurs were so desperate for Postacoglu. And he has come in at the perfect time when the players wanted to change, the club wanted to change, and they've just latched onto every single word he's saying. And we're getting to see the benefits now. And yeah, very exciting. But uh, like we say, a long way to go. I know when, obviously, he's spoken before about when he's gone into clubs and there's ups and downs, you're thinking, 
if there's going to be anywhere where it was just going to be upwards from the word go, it'd have been Celtic, given that they're usually, yeah. you know, running away with the league title and you thought Spurs would be a bit more up and down, but where have the downs been? I mean, it's just been uh, the Fulham game, really. Uh, but yeah, another good win uh, at Kenilworth Road. I think it's probably one of these wins where you can take an awful lot of satisfaction from the victory because, you know, there was certainly some adversity there in the second half with Spurs down to 10 men and it could potentially be one of these games where Spurs should have been running away with it in the first half, but sometimes you, you made to pay for not taking those opportunities and that maybe could have happened with Spurs down to 10 men, but the dug in deep showed plenty of strength and character, resilience as well in abundance and deservedly got the three points and good finish as well from Mickey van der Ven. Uh, first few win, he looks a bit of a tapping, but he has to adjust his body uh, really well and well taken finish and I think he certainly enjoyed that one in front of the travelling fans. It did, although don't ask Postacoglu about how good a finish it was. <laughs> he was just about to get up from the presser after the game and one of the journalists from the side just said, great finish, wasn't it, from Van der Ven? And just kind of looked at him. It was really weird. And he was like, was it? I thought it was just a toe poke. It was like really funny. And he said, I think I've got it here, actually. He said, uh, I've got a higher standard. Yeah, okay, it was a fantastic finish, but I don't think there'll be many highlights of it moving forward. It was like <laughs> such a slap down kind of thing. And I thought it was really good. I thought it was a striker's instinct that just, just to know when to pull away from the defender, when knowing, as he said in his interview, that Madison was going to cut the ball back because that's what he loves to do. And don't get me wrong, the Madison skill was sublime. It was so good. I've watched it from so many different angles. And each time I'm kind of like, Wow, that's just so class. And also, Decky taking the quick uh, corner kick, which we also know is a, on instruction from Ryan Mason, but we'll have a little bit of chat about that later as well and Ryan Mason's set-piece influence. Um, yeah, it was great. I thought, funnily enough, in that press conference, that's probably the most satisfied I've seen Postacoglu thus far about a Spurs performance, which is weird when you think... Someone looking on the outside of that scoreline probably thought, oh, Spurs went to 17th place Luton and got away with a 1-0 win. But it wasn't like that. Yeah, there was a couple of little hairy, uh, scary moments when, uh, was it Lockyer put the ball over the line and it was a bit like, oh my goodness, what's happened there? Doggy had a little bit of a funny moment there. Where he just didn't realise the ball was going to drop straight onto the post and, and down. But obviously, not only was Romero pushed, it was it was offside as well, I think, having looked back at it. Um and also, there was the moment when Adebayo, wasn't it, who unbelievably went with his right foot sliding into a ball rather than his left and ended up just kind of taking it off the pitch with him. It was bizarre. That aside, though, I can understand why Postacoglu was so pleased with it all because, in his own words, he saw the best football he feels Spurs have played all season in the first half. And then second half, probably the most battling together spirit they've shown all season. So he did get a glimpse of the the two sides to the Tottenham coin. And yeah, it, it was very good. Um, I was going to ask you this. And when you were talking about Postacoglu earlier on there about how, you know, the buy-in from Celtic and Spurs and how we expected different. Do you think, I don't know the average age at Celtic, but do you think the average age at Spurs being so young has made the buy-in so quick? It's just that they're really mouldable because they're so young? Yeah, uh, could well be. Uh, I'm not sure about what the average age of the Celtic team was, but you're thinking, if you're looking back at the start of this summer, was the oldest player he bought maybe 26 in Madison? 
then I'm assuming yeah, Vicario, yeah. I'm assuming they're going to have maybe the same philosophy at Celtic when he was looking at bringing in players so maybe similar but yeah but I think it's one of these where they're all good footballers you've got at Spurs as well so they're always going to be open to a different style of football and let's be honest who doesn't want to play this attacking style of football I mean, he said it a number of times when you, you know, you're growing up playing football. He just wants to be constantly attacking, and yeah, the age might have had an impact in how quickly this team is, you know, moulded together. But as well as that, I think just everyone wants to play this type of football. Yeah, absolutely. We keep going back to that phrase because it's one that Postecoglou uses: is is playing the football they kind of enjoyed playing as a kid, just with that little bit more structure that he brings to it. It's some of the stuff, I mean, like the total football aspect of it is brilliant. I mean, we were watching it and there was one moment when Romero raided up the right-hand side with Porro alongside him. And you kind of thought, what the hell is that defence going to look like now with two of the people on the right-hand side? And you look back and you're like, in a perfect line, Saar and Basuma had slotted in. Basuma in the middle, Saar on the right, alongside Van der Ven and Doggy. It was just like, where has that been? That is like you'd once in a while you'd see like Hoybier would drop back and things like that in previous seasons, but to actually see a whole team know how to move around, it was very total football. It was um yeah, fantastic. And I mean I've got some of the stats from it's they're just ridiculous. Um in the first five minutes, I don't know if you'd seen these yet, Spurs had ninety seven percent of possession. Wow. 97 in the first five minutes. It's incredible. Um, and within 10 minutes, they'd had five shots at Luton's goal and passed the ball more than 100 times. Within 25 minutes, they'd had eight shots at goal. And by half time, that was 12. And at the break, Spurs had had 81% of the possession with 314 passes to Luton's 47. And I know, you know, we said it at the time, possession doesn't mean anything. Ultimately, you know, you made it very clear when I tried to get excited about the possession that, you know, it's only one thing counts and it's that scoreline. Um, and at that point, Spurs were nil-nil. And numerically, they were certainly not equal because we had Eves Basuma's mad moment. What did you make of his two yellow cards? Yeah, the refs just got no option uh, whatsoever. First one blatant yellow I mean he's just grappling with I think it was Ogbeni the Luton winger who was really really good on the day and he's just holding him down I mean that's Stonewall yellow card and the second one what's he doing there I, I mean watching it back from where we were sat in the press box you see him go down but you can't see you know how blatant the dive is and then you're watching it back on telly after the game and yeah it's just poor poor from him on his part and yeah he can have no complaints as well and I think one of the things we were wondering wondering about uh, once he'd been sent off is well basically East Bissouma had gone into the game with four bookings for the season so it'd be once he gets his next yellow card that's five game it's one game ban for five bookings for the season so once he'd got that one it was out of the Fulham game and then once he got sent off, uh, I don't think we were totally sure what then would happen. But the red card supersedes the yellow card. So he's still on four bookings for the season. So Basuma misses the Fulham game, but he could potentially come back against Crystal Palace, pick up a yellow card, and then he's out of the Chelsea one. 
it's such a Spurs thing to happen. <laughs> it really is. And I, I'd like to, well, I don't want to, but I think I kind of have to take some responsibility for jinxing it all by asking Postacoglu a couple of weeks ago about Basuma and saying like, oh, he's on three yellow cards in his first five games or so, you know, you're going to have to have a word with him. And he was like, no, 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 it's all part of the game and where he plays in the pitch. And then lo and behold, he gets his fourth and he gets his fifth. And technically he got his sixth yellow card. He's had six yellow cards in eight games in the Premier League, which is, it's too much. I'm sorry. I know that he's in an area of the pitch where he's going to get tangled up with other players. And I think the Spurs all action front foot style is going to do that. I think they are probably going to get more yellow cards this season. But still, you know, you've got to have in that role as a 27 year old, as a player that Postacoglu wants to be a bit more of a leader in the team as well. He's going to have to just curb it slightly. He's going to have to have, you know, Romero's doing it. If Christian Romero can do it, anyone can do it, quite frankly. Um, and yeah, I mean, some of those yellow cards have been for, wasn't there one for dissent as well? Um, who was that against? I can't remember who it was. I'm sure there was a dissent one. I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember. But then obviously, you've got a dissent one. You've got one for, that was a clumsy one, the first challenge. It was so silly on Saturday. And then also you had the one for, he was just, you could see, he was anticipating a contact that just never came. It was just such a daft thing to do. And the irony is he's so good with the ball at his feet, if he hadn't decided to do that and decided just to keep motoring through, he probably would have found himself in the box in space or at least able to square it to someone else. Um, and then, you know, he had that long walk at Kenilworth Road. You've got to go right off into the corner. And he had this long walk off the pitch with all the fans waving at him, calling him a cheat and stuff. If he's not going to learn from that scenario, he's not going to learn from anything. And look, as Postacoglu said afterwards, he's been brilliant this season. So we're, we're not going to absolutely slaughter Basuma because he's been such an integral part of this Spurs team. Um, but yeah, that's just one little aspect of his game that he's going to have to work on. And it, the cutoff is after the 19th game <laughs> to not get five yellow cards. So I think it's pretty clear he's not going to get to, what would that be, like January, February or something? Maybe January? Yeah, probably uh, yeah. early January. Yeah, that's going to yeah. be some going if he can just stay on four <laughs> yellow cards now for the next, you know, uh, what, 11 games or so, 10 games, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's that's not, not going to happen. happen. It's not, but... Um, but I felt Hoybier came in and did well. What did you think of Hoybier? Yeah, I thought it was excellent. Uh, I was, thought it was probably a game made for him, really, to show his qualities and help Spurs get over the line because we've seen it this season where he has been brought on uh, late on in games, you know, to ensure Tottenham get a point on the board because, you know, he's a player with bags of experience. He knows what he's doing in these situations. Uh, he can just keep the ball ticking over and uh, that's exactly what he did on Saturday against Luton. I mean, it's been, I think from his point of view, it's got to be a really, really extremely frustrating season for him, especially when he'd started, I think it was 109, 109 of the previous 114 Premier League games going into this campaign. But yeah, he came on at the break. I think it was obvious he was coming on as soon as Basuma yeah. was sent off and had a a moment with Ange Postacoglu, didn't he, before coming on? He must have been, you know, giving him the instructions and he just sat in front of the back four and was just, you know, sweeping things up and it's just that experience, that uh, nous of, you know, being in that position before and, you know, helping Spurs come out on top. I thought it was 
fantastic and I think he's a certain starter now uh, for the Fulham game after the international break. Yeah, he he brings something just that little bit different. He's, I still would say he's not the perfect fit for Postacoglu's system, um, but he just brings something a little bit different. He's he's going to work incredibly hard. He's going to use that bit of experience. He's going to use a little bit of the dark arts, as we like to call it. I mean, late on he did his now trademark. The balls hit me in the stomach. I'm going to roll around like I've been shot, so we can pause this game a bit. But I think the trouble was, I think that actually backfired a bit because the the refs are now telling players to get off to the side of the pitch when they do that to kind of give a little bit more time I think to the other team as well so it didn't do him any favours but on the whole I did think he did well he, he was like I say he was constantly kind of getting back into the back line to help out and trying to drive the team up the pitch whenever he could even though they had 10 men um, and yeah I mean we were talking about this just before we came on air it's like it creates a little bit of a quandary um, in the winter, in, in January, because obviously I think Hoybier will want to go, personally. I think if I'm Pierre or Hoybier, I want to play every game. I think I deserve to be starting to play every game. But Spurs are going to be in a situation where obviously Pape Matasar and uh, Izbasuma could well be heading off to the... Af- Is that being confirmed that they're both heading off to the Africa Cup of Nations or this... Well, it's scheduled for January, February time. Uh, Are they both qualified? Yeah, yeah. Both both have qualified, so... Oh, yeah, it would have been a while ago. Yeah, I I don't know how Mali will fare in the tournament, but you'd probably assume Senegal will get to the latter stages, so maybe Sao will be the one missing for a number of games, but who knows in tournament football? Yeah, and actually, they're both going to be key players. I think Saar, who previously wasn't he was a bit of a bit part player come off the bench I do wonder whether this amazing season he's had whether Senegal kind of look at him and thinking okay well he kind of needs to be driving our midfield now as well obviously a lot of talented players in the Senegal squad as well so it's not gonna be easy but yeah what it means for Hoybier though it's like can you afford to let him go obviously Benton Kerr will be back by then um hopefully no more kind of injury problems for him You've got to, if you're going to let him go, I think you just have to have a plan, don't you? You have to have someone that's going to come in to replace him because you can't really operate. We've, we've just skipped Benzincourt and Madison. I think that's uh, that's too flimsy in terms of one knock or one injury and you're going to have to bring someone else back or bring someone up from the academy like, a, I don't know, Matthew Craig maybe stepping up as a defensive midfielder. It's a, it's a big ask for these young players. Um, so yeah, I think it's either Hoybier has to stay and is told you go at the end of the season when he'll think he'll only have a year left in his contract at that point and you're not going to get a lot for him or whether, you know, you let him go and you take the chance. Obviously you look at, they wanted like Conor Gallagher in the last window, but Conor Gallagher is now playing regularly at Chelsea and I think captain as well, wasn't he? I think yeah, he's recently. been captain them in uh, Reese James's absence and been playing well as well. So might yeah. have been an opportunity to sign him in August, but the way he started, I don't think there'll be an opportunity there for him in January. Yeah, so obviously there'll be other people that Postacoglu will have his eye on. Um, and, you know, who knows, by then there should be a new director of football in as well. So maybe they come in with new ideas and someone and various players for Postacoglu to cast his eye over, um, as he did with Vicario. You know, Vicario was an option that was presented to him. He kind of went away and fully researched him and really liked what he saw. And, and it could be that there's more midfielders that come under that category as well. Um, but, yeah, that's a biggie for the winter. I just remember what I was going to ask you, as a big Richarlison fan, 
I don't think we saw this at the time, but have you noticed since what happened when he had that very early chance when he hooked it over the bar? No. Go on. Well, if you look at the fo- the videos, but also really look at the photos, because I had to use one with my talking points, as he goes, and I was quite critical of it at the time because I kind of thought, oh, you know, he's right under the goal, like the crossbar. He really should. It's almost harder to put it over the crossbar than it was underneath. If you look at it, I think it's Reese Burke, the defender that was marking. Oh, it's been his- pulled. Yeah. Pulling his shirt almost off his back. Yeah. And especially when you're trying to reach your foot up to, to get something, that's surely going to affect your momentum and the way you're trying to get the ball. I was surprised that obviously we didn't notice it, but we don't have the benefit of like VAR and the referees and the officials. I was very surprised on reflection that that didn't come back. Yeah. Maybe we should have a, I was going to say we should have a replay, but we don't want to replay <laughs> the one. <laughs> well, I mean, we said that the time that, he did look like it was on the stretch. Uh, yeah. Just thinking back, obviously you mentioned Adibayo's chance. Everyone was saying Adibayo should have taken it on his left foot instead of his right. Richie might have been better taking that one on his right instead of his left, just trying to hook it in. But, Maybe. But yeah, uh, unfortunate miss. You'd probably expect him to score, but you just don't know how much this pull on the, his shirts, you know, impacts yeah. in his body position. I was just surprised nothing was made more of that. Once I'd seen it, I was like, how did they miss that at the time? And then obviously he had another chance quite quickly after, didn't he? Um, when, was it Madison put him through? And then he kind of, he almost hit the ball as he was falling. I don't think he timed it particularly well. So he's kind of hit it as he was falling and the keeper was able to gather. Did you think despite your absolute love for that Brazilian, did you think it was fair that he was the guy who would come off at the break? Yeah, I think it was pretty obvious that he would be the one who was coming off, especially as well after those missed chances. Uh, you know, Kulisewski is someone who can, you know, open the door up with, you know, his quality on the ball. So I think he was always going to stay on the pitch. So ultimately, there was always going to be a fall guy and I just thought it was going to be Richarlison. Just on, obviously, that miss we're talking about, I thought it was a bit on the stretch. Uh, I think he should have scored it, but I don't think it might be, you know, the first touch means it's right in his stride. It looks like it might be slightly behind him, so he's dragging his leg. But I think he should have scored it, and I think that's the general consensus, isn't it? He had the opportunity to score, and he needs to be doing that ebay motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly brake kits led headlights bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. It is. It is. Um, it, it's just what we come down to with Richarlison. I think he's got a lot of qualities to him. Um, I just think for a £60 million attacker, 
He's had two Premier League goals in 18 months. It's not good enough, unfortunately. Um, and he knows it as well. He looks more comfortable on the left. I'd definitely say that. I think he looks better there than through the centre. And I think Sonny looks better through the centre than he does on... Well, no, that's unfair. Sonny's got a lot of goals from the left. But I would say Son looks comfortable through the centre. I think he does. Too. Although it wasn't one of his greatest games on Saturday. Um, he didn't touch the ball too much. Um, but he still had moments like he put Porro through for a great chance, Sonny. Um, and Porro, I've watched that one back, and at the time I felt it was a really bad miss that he's put it just right of the uh, the right hand post. But actually, when you look at it back, the way he's come in and where the the defenders come in alongside him, he kind of had this very small window to kind of wrap his leg around the ball, and it's almost almost as if that's almost the only direction the ball could have gone because of the coming together of the two players. Um, I might be being generous to him, but honestly, watch it back and just see the way that he kind of collides with the defender that comes into him at that time. Um, But yeah, look, Spurs' attack was probably the area of the pitch where they let themselves down slightly. That You know, they had so many chances they should have taken them. I think probably for me, the one that comes out of real credit of the game was Kulisevsky. Um, and actually, it was for not well, slightly to do with his attacking qualities. Obviously, he had the one low shot that was saved by Kaminsky, um, and he was involved in the goal with the the quick um, pass. But what did you make of his play? His all round play up front, especially when he had to kind of go up on his own up there. I thought he handled himself really, really well up front. It's always going to be you know a tough ask at Luton, especially when you're down to. 10 men as well and they had you know two powerful centre-backs there you know marshalling him so when it came up to him uh, giving you down to 10 men you just need him to hold the ball up well uh, just keep hold of possession and I thought he uh, can come out of the game with plenty of credit because he more than played his part especially in those final 10-15 minutes uh, after Son had come off the pitch and we did say with about 5-10 minutes ago maybe this is a game for Alejo Valise uh, to come on just for those fresh legs, someone, you know, with a powerful frame to, you know, just get on the ball and just try and hold it up. And he was supposed to come on, I think, five minutes before he initially did. He was, you know, stripped and ready. And then he was told to, you know, put your bib back on and go sit down. And uh, I think he did okay when he came on for Leeds. He had that had an opening on goal where Saar played him in. I think Saar maybe delayed the pass a bit too long. And Valise himself, he, you know, held on to the ball too long and couldn't really get his shot away. But I thought he played his part when he came on. But I thought, yeah, uh, Decky did well in a rather strange position for him, let's say. Yeah. Put your bit back on and sit down. Is that a phrase you've heard many times in your life, is it? No. <laughs> I can just imagine um, in the guest household, your mum saying, put your bib back on and sit down. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I thought Kusevsky did really well. He's not really, despite his size, his his height and everything and his frame, he's not really someone you'd kind of see as as a real aerial battler for a balls that are like lofted in, but he really kind of did his best in those situations. And actually, he kind of was playing up top before Son went off. He, he was a, it was a much earlier that he kind of went up there and played centrally. And uh, yeah, he did well. His Postacoglu said afterwards that people look at his stats and the numbers in the moment. And it, again, a bit like Richardson, if we're going to have to say it about Kudusevsky, he's got no assists this season. You know, that is something that for him will be disappointing because he is a, 
you know, is a creative player. But as Postacoglu said, there's so much more to his game as well. And he is constantly a threat and a danger in his running. And he reckons he, sh- he probably broke more running records for the club again uh, on um, Saturday. And the reason that Valise was coming on was, I think, because he took a big whack to the back of his head. Um, one of the defenders' legs caught it. And they were all a bit like, ooh, is he going to have any kind of issues? He's going to be groggy. Is there any kind of uh, concussion potential here? And Valise was all, yeah, ready to get on. But that little bit extra before he did come on. And I thought, yeah, I thought Valise came off the bench and did well. Bright little cameo. Like you say, he had that moment when he was in the box. He kind of just fell on the ball in the end. He was trying to just carve him out some space and he just couldn't quite do it. But I thought that he looked very confident in trying to not only win the ball back, but there were moments when he held on to it very well. Um, and he's way ahead of schedule. He really is. You can tell that. I mean, you know, Postacoglu told us that he was not going to be seen for the, until the second half of the season. And that just shows you how much training, um, how much you can impress the manager in training, quite frankly. Um, and he did say that Postacoglu before he'd actually seen him in the flesh. He was injured at that point and hadn't even trained yet. And he, yeah, he did very well. Um, and he'll get more minutes now, you'd think, in a week's head, especially because the injury situation, it lends itself massively to him getting game time. Um, yeah, I'd say that was probably the most positive stuff about the attacking stuff. For me, the positives all came at the back, let's be honest. There were some incredible performances in the back line at Spurs. Yeah, there were. Uh, before we get on to, obviously, Spurs' defensive play, do you want to let everyone know about the benefits of using NordVPN, Ali? Of course. Um, if you're not aware by now, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN, and you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world, and that means there's no buffering, no lagging, and you can stream your favourite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. It's something that I have done Many, many times over the years, long before Nord came on board the podcast, it's something I will be doing in the weeks ahead of Git as well, as I head off on a little break and uh, want to catch up on some of the shows that I'm watching over here um, that I normally wouldn't be able to over um, across the other side of the world, yet I can use Nord to set my device to thinking it's back in the UK and just watch them as normal. Quite frankly, I pay for them. I should be able to watch them regardless of whether I, wherever I happen to be. Um, and you know, not only that, but the outlay on the NordVPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run. And that's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. So for example, you could change your virtual location to Argentina and you could book flights maybe from Argentina or any other country you want to book flights. It doesn't have to be Argentina. It can be anywhere in the world. And also security wise, it's a great kind of system for, pretty much going as far as you possibly can to keeping those nasty people from taking things off your device if you connect to a public Wi-Fi. It's it's such a clever app um, that you can install on any device that you've got, quite frankly, and uh, and just kind of very easy to set up and you just get straight on and going with it. Um, honestly, there's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash goldguest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Yep, so let's talk about uh, Tottenham's defence at Luton. I think let's start with Christian Romero. What a performance from him. I know we've seen him deliver some really, really good performances uh, in the Tottenham shirt in his two seasons at the club, obviously, uh, 
before this one. And I think that's certainly up there. Maybe even in first place, he was that good uh, on Saturday at Kenilworth Road. And he certainly needed, I think I said on the podcast uh, prior to this one about, you know, the aerial threat of Carlton Morris, who's, you know, really powerful striker. And Romero dealt with him extremely well he didn't really have a sniff sniff on goal and there was some there was a really good block on then Adebayo uh about 20 minutes in when he looked like he was going to have a, a chance on goal and he just a number of blocks tackles inter- interceptions I'm sure the stats are extremely impressive I've not seen them but I know you will have seen them uh it was fantastic and then as well what you mentioned there was also that run forward in the first half that just shows his quality you know on the ball going forward and you just know how good he is at the back I thought it was outstanding it was incredible I've got the stats for you on, you ask for stats I shall provide he made 12 clearances on the day which for context of that is three more than the rest of the Spurs defence combined <laughs> it's just incredible he also made three tackles, three interceptions, and to show that he was involved in everything, he took 102 touches of the ball. Only Pedro Porra had higher with 103, and nobody else on the pitch from either side made more than Mickey van der Ven's 78 before you got to Porro and Romero. It was just, he was un- incredible. That was the best performance I've ever seen from Romero, honestly. Romero's had some really good games over the years, last couple of years, but that, for me, was the pinnacle. It's... It was everything rolled into one. It was leadership, maturity, timing, restraint. It was just had everything you want to see in a Christian Romero performance. It was the one kind of performance that reminds you that this guy was Serie A Defender of the Year a couple of years back. You know, this was him at the peak of his game. Um, And, yeah, I was watching – well, we both were – the warm-up before the game. It was quite interesting because, obviously – we now know that Matty Wells does a lot of work with defence. That's his area of, of expertise. Um, and before the game, he had them all lined up in a row, the four of them. And he was getting them just to move as a unit back and forward. And then he would suddenly throw a ball to one of them and they would have to head it back. And as that player's feet touched the floor, they all had to suddenly drop back together. It was almost like they had a like a rope, an invisible rope tied around all of their waist. They were so in sync and together. Um, and that's what he's been drilling into them, just to on, just constantly know where the others are. And you can see that when they're trying to play out from the back and get around the press. They just absolutely know where the other player is. Um, yeah, so impressed. Postacoglu had some really good stuff to say about Romero uh, after the game. Have a little look back and at the transcript, the every word um, he said, because, yeah, he spoke about the fact, I think there was quite a nice line that I, I want to say out of that. He says... Um, a big part of it is Romero. It's Destiny's first year in the Premier League, Mickey's first year in the Premier League, Vic's first year in the Premier League, and Porro just beginning his Premier League career. But they've got a World Cup winner beside them, and I think he makes them feel like they belong. They feel really comfortable having him beside them, and you can see them flourish. I mean, it's such a really nice line on him as well. And he actually spoke very much just individually about him. Um, I'm not sure if I've got that here. Yeah, he goes... He goes um, He's just an outstanding defender, someone you definitely want in your team. He does have that physicality about him, but he's a good player as well. His passing range, his ability to really position himself well, to stay calm, and then just ridiculous bravery to always put his body in there. He's just an outstanding defender. 
and someone reminded him of the Messi quote about him being the best in the world, and he said, yeah, well, he's a good judge, <laughs> which is true. Um, and I love the fact as well, not only in defence, I think we've said this before, they are a real kind of yin and yang central defensive partnership, him, him and Van der Ven, because Van der Ven is, is a bit, little bit Ledley King-esque in that he's very loath to um, go to ground. He will often stay up and he will make the, 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 the attacker kind of go into an area where he can't do anything with it. He kind of marshals the attacker more than kind of dives in there or whatever. But obviously Romero is more front foot, gets in there, bang, takes the ball away, goes. Um, and I think they really do complement each other well. And what they both do really well as well is is using the ball in an attacking sense. You know, we like you just said, you know, about the Romero run down the right, but also uh, there was a one cross-field ball he played into someone's kind of chest. I think it was right on the edge of the area. It was brilliant. Van der Ven as well will suddenly motor up the pitch and will play through and start moves. And obviously got his goal, his first goal for Tottenham Hotspur, it was really nice to see him after the game as well. Sonny, who's got this... Sonny is just developing into the best captain. He really is. He's just got this wonderful way among all the players. I do. I find myself really weirdly... One of my new hobbies is after the game, you're just finding all of these videos that occur on various social media platforms that are just purely dedicated to the little things Son does with each player after the final whistle. It's incredible. Honestly, you've got to look for them. Like, even just uh, at Kenilworth Road the other day against Luton, he went up to Saar, got him in a headlock at one point, and he was just like really playing with him. Went up to Romero and had this massive hug with him. Went up to Van der Ven and was like shouting stuff at him, presumably saying, I told you you were going to score, because he did predict it on the team coach on the way to the game. Um, and then, yeah, he shoved, like he did with Richarlison um, after the, what game was it? She- Chef United. Sheffield United, Sheffield United game. He then shoved Van der Ven in front of the away fans to take his own special applause. Um, and he was just doing it so many of them. Porro as well. He's just, that's the beauty of appointing a captain who everyone at the club loves because he's got this great relationship with Madison as well. He's got this lovely relationship. Someone put a video, I can't remember who it was, or so otherwise I would credit them. And it was a, a video looking at the different uh ver- the different kind of relationship sonny has as in he has these three different kind of relationships one is treating them as kind of kids like he calls doesn't he call pap little sonny or something like that there's, there's some little thing he calls him i can't remember what it is now i'm sure people will tell us in the comments underneath on youtube um so there's that there's the mentor sonny which is people like van der ven uh van der ven said he took him under his wing and then there's the um mate and um kind of on the same level ones like madison and it previously had it with kane it was a really interesting kind of dissection of his uh or di- like you could do a dissertation on sonny's different relationships with the players um now it's just very cool to see that how closely bonded they are they got another little moment in front of the fans at the end all uh going mad and i just thought the defense played well as a unit i thought well, doggy he tired a little bit as it went on, I did feel, but it's still another very good performance, other than that little moment with Lockyer when he was surprised it hit the post. Um, and also Porro on the other side, a couple of stray passes, but I thought he did pretty well in terms of his energy. There was one moment right at the end when he won a corner in the dying moments, and he does this celebration in front of fans like he's just scored a goal. 
It's and this is what it is. It all means so much to them. Romero was the same when he made a block in those final seconds, which pretty much was the game-winning block because that was it. The, the whistle went soon after, and he celebrated with like clenched, pumped fists as if he, you know, had scored a goal. And all the other players were jumping on him like he'd scored as well. And they're just so tight-knit. This group right now, it feels a long, long way away from the group that even Romero admitted himself was full of little clicks and had really kind of spread apart under, especially Conte, and I think into Stellini era as well. I do feel it gets a bit of flack sometimes, but I feel Ryan Mason started to bring the group back together again, and Postacoglu's absolutely Postacoglu'd them together. He really has. It's uh, it's just fun to watch them again. It's enjoyable. Yeah, I think the biggest compliment I can play, uh, pay the back line is they look like they've been together for years already, and absolutely. it's only eight games into the season. And the greatest thing about it is they're still so young. So this Tottenham back four can go on and play for, you know, a number and number of seasons uh, if they carry on the way they're going at the moment. And I think noticed this morning Van der Ven came out on top in Spurs' Man of the Match award. I think he came out on top, but I think that might be one of those where, you know, the goal scorer, usually yeah. at the forefront of everyone's mind, that, he played extremely well again, as he has done, but I thought Romero was uh, better than him slightly. Uh, but yeah, a uh, really, really strong start to the season from the defence and they're just hoping they can just keep going uh, the way they are at the moment. And Vicario. I thought Vicario was yeah, good yeah. as well. Did what he had to do. There was one. He's only had to make one real save of note, didn't he? That kind of one from a tight angle where he made with his wrist. And he did the. Uh, he ran out and made a really good clearance late on as well. And I still say it. The biggest compliment Vicario I can pay him is that no one's talking about the weirdness of Hugo Lloris just being there in the background. We had the squad photo, didn't we, this week? And it was so awkward watching Hugo Lloris standing there. And you're kind of thinking, this guy isn't even going to matches. He's not even one of the three goalkeepers they take to games. Yet he's one of the highest earners. And there. On just on that, there's been a lot of people saying because the only photo that's actually come out is the photo of it was a Scott Munn idea, I'm told, of also getting everyone involved in the like kind of who I don't want to say serves the first team, but everyone responsible for getting the first team to be where they are and the success they are. So that's sports science, that's physios. That's obviously the coaching staff, but also even catering and even the media department, things like that. Everyone that works with them. And Scott Munn kind of wanted this big inclusive photo. And I think some people started looked at that and thought, what? They're like, there's no Benton Kerr in it and things like that. But Benton Kerr's in the video. You see him yeah. in the, the behind the scenes video. And I think what happened was that he just wasn't there. That was the t- photo that was taken first and he hadn't got there in time or something like that. Um, so that one was taken first and he wasn't able to be in that, but then in the actual squad photo, he's there, you know, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like, a, you know, if you saw him in the back behind the scenes video, it's not like someone said, uh, you know, put your bib on and sit down, lad. <laughs> You're not in this one. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was just the, the quirk of the timing, I think. Um, but yeah, there you go. So now Vicaro's doing really well and. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see what happens with Hugo Lloris and whether we just kind of maintain this very odd the captain is there but doesn't really exist. Um, I might have to ask. Uh, God, I go to say Pochettino <laughs> so many times. I probably do say it, 
Postacoglu. It's just too similar for my liking. You know, I apologize to everyone. I did cover that man for like, what, five years or something at Spurs. So his name is going to come into my head more often than not. Um, oh, that game. That's, that game's going to be a nightmare on November the 6th. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, Postacoglu, Pochettino, Postacoglu, Pochettino. Um, yeah, even the press conference as well afterwards, going to have to be careful I don't call him Mauricio or, or call Pochettino Ange when he comes out. Um, I'm so wary of that. I really am. I always remember that when Mourinho first in, first came in, I was so wary of calling Mauricio when I started my question. The silly little things that we have to deal with that aren't really that important at all. But there you go. Yeah. I think with Larice is just quite simply a case of now just seeing out your contract for the final year unless a move, you know, comes to fruition for him in January. I know you've said on a previous pod maybe will he get an opportunity in a cup game for a, a goodbye, but Ange Postacoglu doesn't strike me as one for sentiment. Really. I just yeah. think he will be, you know, Vicario in net. And if Vicario's not in net then it's Fraser Foster. What would be interesting to see is if Vicario's injured or suspended, Foster obviously comes in in goal. Who is then deputy? Is it Brandon Austin or is it then Hugo Lloris? You're probably unlikely to know, are you? That's the thing. You could kind of get away with it unless there's an injury. Um yeah, it's a tricky one. Obviously, you've got Alfie Whiteman will come back as well from his ankle surgery. Um, it's just weird. Here's a question to you. Who leaves in January? Uh, you'd hope Hugo for the sake of his career because he's doing him no yeah. good now just being behind the scenes. He needs to be playing, especially in the final few years of his career. Uh, I don't know. I really don't Difficult, know. isn't it? Because I, yeah. I was thinking, the reason I asked is I was thinking this, so I was watching the NFL game and I sat there and it just kind of went through my head of, of shall I tell you who, shall I give you a moment? I'll tell you who I think. Um, right, go on then. I think Perisic might, and I know this is weird because he's injured, but I just feel that there's got to be a little bit of something to this, the Hajduk split. Um, that's not how you pronounce it. Is it someone told me off for calling it? Is it Hajduk? I think it's Hajduk. Hi- Hijuk split. Um, I just feel like there's something in that, that there were so many links to him. There was, uh, obviously, the deal for Vuskovic has gone through where Spurs would have been talking to Hijuk as well. And I just kind of feel that that makes sense, that if he can come back and maybe get a couple of months of football, maybe he just does it for them. And, and gets back in, uh, in for the Euro squad. And also for Spurs, it's getting him off the wage bill. I don't know how it works with insurance when a player's injured. I've heard differing views on this. There's some people that say if you have a serious injury, the club get the money, insurance money for the wages. There's some people saying that it has to be a career-ending one. Um, but yeah, I just got this funny feeling that maybe Perisic does head off to Hydric Split Um because he's not going to play for Spurs anyway. Like I, I just thought that Spurs were so definitive in saying he's not going to be here. He's not going to. He's going to be out for the season, and obviously his contract ends at the end of the season as well. So I think him. I think Hoybier, unless he gets back in the team before January, I think he will try to push to leave. Um, other than that, unless there's someone I've absolutely forgotten, I don't think Eric Dyer would go. I think that would be counterproductive for him. He, you know, he's he's 
what, six months away from getting a free transfer whenever he wants and, and getting kind of the payoff, which is ever, it's absolutely his right. He's, he'll be giving up the the chance to play in the Euros unless, again, there's an injury in the back line and he comes into it. Um, but I think, yeah, it's probably less likely to be that many departures because it's more about strengthening the squad at that point, especially when you've got the FA Cup coming into play as well and, and the game's come a little bit more thick and fast. Not too much because of the, the lack of European football, but I think you do have to keep a certain amount of players. I'm just trying to rack my brain to think of anyone else in my head. Of, well, maybe Brian yeah, yeah, I was just having a look at the list. I was going to say maybe Brian Hill, but that also depends on what's happening with Perisic and where Manor Solomon is in terms of his uh, recovery from injury. But then again, Brian Hill could get a chance, you know, in the next couple of months to make his case because of, you know, Perisic and Solomon's injuries. Uh, one player who was going to say maybe Ryan Sessignon. Great shout! Yes, yes, I think that's that's absolutely absolutely forgot him, um, which sounds awful, <laughs> but it is because he's been out injured. I think if Ben Davies and Destiny Doggy are both fit um, and they've got enough options down that left hand side still at that point, maybe that's it. Maybe it comes it goes down between Sessignon and Brun Hill. One of them goes maybe because you can play Sess up there um, as an attacking left handed side player. Yeah, that's a great shout. Um, yeah, one of those two maybe. And again, it depends who they bring in. They might be they might be able to get a couple of deals across the line that they weren't expecting to, and then maybe they can let them both go out. But um, it's a weird window. It's like I don't know where how busy January windows are. Never really that busy as we always expect they're going to be. Unless you're Chelsea. Make, unless you're Chelsea, and then you spend another billion pounds. <laughs> um, they do seem to be getting their act together. Um, Pochettino, as his name is, um, is seems to be starting to get a handle on on that club, which is really annoying that it's coming just ahead of this meeting between the two clubs. But it does make for a better game, I guess. Um, yeah, I just think you probably need a couple of players in that January window. Another, probably another centre back, well, definitely another centre back, and probably like I say, a central midfielder. That's probably about. I mean, if there's an attacking, creative playmaker going, of course you're going to take him just to back up Madison. Um, but primarily, that it's got to be a centre back. Whatever is going to be the main main priority, surely. Yeah, I'd keep Hoybeg in January personally, even if he wants to go, unless obviously mm. you can bring in a top quality replacement for him. But you can't sell him and then not bring anyone in in his place. Uh, yeah. I think on Saturday at Kenilworth Road, he, he proved, you know, just what he can bring to the team and that he s- does still have a big part to play on the Ranch Postacoglu. He might not be playing uh, the amount of minutes he wants, but he can still have a big, big role. And yeah, especially w- with uh, the AFCON coming up, Saren Basuma heading off, I'd be keeping Hybieg. End of the day, do what's best for the club, especially if, you know, Spurs come into the turn of the year and they're still in a good position, you need to be keeping Hoybier at the club because you, you're going to need that experience in games. When it comes down to maybe, you know, clinching the place in the top four or if you're in the semi-finals of an FA Cup, you need that experience. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. 
While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Yeah. There's always... It's always worth remembering as well that... Whoever, towards the end of a season, there's always a player who is a regular starter that wasn't at the start of a season. It's just guaranteed. There's no way that the starting 11 from the beginning of a season ends up finishing the season. It could be maybe Emerson takes the right-back slot back at some point. That could be that. It could be that even Skippy could maybe get a run of games um, and suddenly finds himself you know, playing the best football of his career thus far under Postacoglu. It, it could happen. Um, you don't know which way the injuries are going to go. Or likewise, maybe Skippy, if he doesn't get the game time, maybe they feel that he needs to get out there and get six months or so or the remainder of the season on loan if, again, Hoybier doesn't go and they can bring in someone else. Um, you know, anyone, Valise, Valise could even come off the bench, could nab a goal, get a, ch- a chance to start in a, the next game or two, could score a couple of goals and suddenly, you know, like Rashford type, suddenly could find himself undroppable and you have to play him because he's exciting young talent um anything can happen as you said brian hill could come into the team and just have a couple of wonder games and uh people wonder why he hasn't been playing and you know it's yeah yeah it's it's one of those where you it, it's difficult to predict um how the future is going to unfold just hopefully it has spurs up there near the top because did you see that match of the day stat they put up um i can't remember the exact numbers but it was something like out of all the teams that have finished or have been at 20 or 20, 20 or more points by the eight game stage, only two haven't finished in the top four. Hey, Tottenham Hotspur, <laughs> they're here to create a set precedence and break records. But um, what was quite interesting was that 11 of them or something had gone on to become champions. Um, who knows? Who knows? It would be the most remarkable thing ever. But uh, I definitely revised my prediction. I definitely, I think I'm heading higher than fifth now. I had fifth as my kind of prediction. I, I, I might even tip towards third now, if very much if they can keep this standard going and not get any bad injuries and replenish properly in January. But I think it's it's not out of the question. No, uh, winning becomes a habit. They're in a very good run of form at the moment. Uh, I think what's going to be key is November and. December, especially when there's games like Chelsea and Villa at home, Man City away, Newcastle at home as well. If they can come out of those games with, you know, a decent points all and at the turn of the year, they're still in like the top three, then who knows? Uh, what an achievement that would be like if <laughs> having riding high in the top of the league on May be incredible. Yeah. What I will say though is now it's just... International breaks, the second one of the season. It's just such a shame. 
it's just an absolute killer, these international breaks. It just feels, from Tottenham perspective, so stop-start because there's no European football. There's no Carabao Cup football. It's four games, then you're on a two-week break. And it's just one of these where as soon as you get going and you're into the football again, break. It's just yeah. uh, not a fan of them. No, neither am I. But you know what? Out of all of the international breaks, I don't think this one's the worst. I'm actually edging slightly, not just because of the fact that I can have a rest and a holiday, but mainly because of the fact that I think you look at it and I think Sonny and Madison both need a bit of a break and hopefully, fingers crossed, won't play as much for Korea and England. You hope. If anyone could get a message to Jurgen Klinsmann, that'd be very helpful. I think yeah. I think Madison will play for England, especially in Australia friendly. I think he's probably yeah. more likely to play in that one than the Italy game. But but that but he's not going to play both games within a you know a few days. That's that's the hope, isn't it? That he kind of gets a little bit of some time off. But Sonny, oh my goodness, you know. They're playing, is it Tunisia and Vietnam in friendlies, South Korea? And every South Korean person, I, I put the shout out, didn't I, in the last podcast, like, let me know. And every single person that came back said, no, no, we don't want him to play either. We want him to rest. Um, I don't know whether Jürgen Klinsmann will ever hear that, those calls, because I'm sure he's probably more worried about his job than anything. Um, but I think you'd imagine Sonny will get some rest, whether it's that he doesn't play one or whether he just plays an hour or something. I do think at least he's going to get a bit of a break. And then we were speaking about this at Kenilworth Road that for La Celso and Hoybier, they get some minutes under their belt. And for Hoybier, then coming in to start against Fulham, I think that's really well timed. For La Celso, I wouldn't push him too much, but give him certainly some minutes for Argentina would be great for him, get back in the groove just for when Spurs need him. Um, that back line, the confidence of Destiny Doggy going on Italy duty, that's a big thing for him as well. Um Van der Ven potentially finally will get his Netherlands debut. He's been called up again. Maybe he'll actually get out on the pitch this time. Um, it'd be nice to, I mean, if Italy, their second game must be a friendly as well, then, mustn't it? I think Italy have two qualifiers. I think oh, is, is, is the is what I'm about to say. Is he an odd number of teams in England's group? So obviously, I think it might be right. One will always not be playing. Uh, but it's Luciana Spalletti's, you know, first games as Italy manager. So Doggy right. might be his starter from now on. That's not a bad shout. Yeah, it is two qualifying games, you're quite right, against Malta and then obviously England. Um, yeah, but I'd like, my hope was if it was a friendly that maybe Vicario would get a little bit of game time just to get his international debut. But yeah, I'm, I'm not... I'm not too concerned with this one. I think there's a few tired players, few players with little injuries that could do with going on duty and their international physios thinking, eh, we should probably give them a little bit. We can't really push them. And obviously, like Brennan Johnson now gets these two weeks off to rest up before hopefully coming back against Fulham. Um, yeah, I, I, I was more annoyed about the first international break. They're just they're so frequent. That's the most annoying thing about them. Um but yeah, I still want to, you know, it doesn't take away from the fact that we just want to keep watching Spurs right now. We don't want to watch any stupid international football and the boring games that that mostly produces. Um, you know, Spurs are the team to watch right now. Um, quite frank, quite, you know, literally everyone in the league is looking up to them right now because um, they're sitting up on high. Um, yeah, 
So we'll take this international break. We'll take the little drop in momentum, but hopefully, like they did last time, they can come back and get straight into their football again. Yeah, it's just one of these where you're top of the league, you're playing well, you're winning games. You just want to keep that momentum. It's just yeah. a momentum killer, really. It's unfortunate. And the worst thing is, another four games, then it's November's international break. So it's just one of these things, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. And you understand when these players say that they're being played into the ground. I, I do absolutely understand that. It has become more and more ridiculous. And it feels like we're seeing more and more injuries. And funnily enough, it's obviously it was at the NFL yesterday. And you're seeing it in the NFL as well. They've increased the number of games there as well. And the players are complaining about that. And, you know, don't get me wrong, they don't even play a fraction of what um, soccer football players play. Um, but obviously it's a sport where they're throwing themselves at each other constantly. Um, actually, it was quite interesting yesterday at the game. There were real complaints about the pitch at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. There's this kind of ongoing debate in the NFL right now about artificial pitches versus uh, real grass pitches. And I think it's roughly about half of the NFL teams have grass pitches and half have artificial ones. And there's this feeling right now that even more players are getting injured because of artificial surfaces um, and it kind of really kicked off this season. Aaron Rodgers at the Jets in his first game picked up a really bad Achilles injury that is likely to see out his season. Um, and yeah, the the players at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, there was a bad injury uh, for one of the players, Milano, and um, he, like he fractured his leg, did his knee in, and the players, the Buffalo Bills players in the locker room were properly going at like going at the pitch and it was like, oh, this is a Tottenham Stadium and everything's been so positive about the NFL. But obviously it is something that they've brought in from their gripe about the NFL across to the UK. It's not specific to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but some of the quotes were like swear words that they had to bleep out and saying how terrible it was and all of that. And it does open a whole kind of quandary because if they do for some reason, well, we know the reason, but if they decide in the future to um, change it, to grass pitches only in the NFL, that throws a huge spanner in the works for Spurs system. You know, the whole pitch coming off and all this sort of stuff and, and what you do. Do you have to have two grass pitches? Do you have them playing on the Premier League pitch, which, you know, you and I have discussed and would be an absolute horror show. You just couldn't do that. You'd think back at the, remember the Wembley pitch in 2018? The Man City game, yeah. Oh, 48 hours, no, 28 hours after They'd had an NFL game, which actually was supposed to be played at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but it wasn't finished yet, so they couldn't do it. And it was terrible. Um, it was, you could see the lines on the pitch. You could see how scuffed up it was. You know, you've got these big blokes throwing themselves around. The pitch gets destroyed. And you also get um, all of the um, sidelines. You get all the rest of the squad and the staff and all that stand and walk up and down. It destroys the pitch. You just couldn't have it. Um, so that's one to watch out for. I know it's NFL and not everyone's a big fan of NFL and American sports and things like that. But actually, it does have a big knock-on effect for the stadium and potentially the football team and what they do. And I was looking again at the um, the Bernabeu and what they're doing there. The Bernabeu's got this incredible... Um, like, it's like the next-generation version of how the, the pitch is separated into little bits. And what their one does is incredible. I mean, it's incredible at the Spurs Stadium where it rolls under the south stand in three sections. But the Bernabeu one comes into these little strips and goes straight down underneath. And each of those is still like the growing lights. It's incredible. 
But they're building all of that. And I do think there's a hope for them that they're going to get NFL uh, football in the future. It's an artificial pitch. So they're literally building something that is going to, you know, the artificial pitch underneath could already be outdated. But then you've got a knock-on effect if you want to have concerts and stuff like that, which need a hard surface. It's, oh, it could have such far-reaching kind of consequences as well. And there's all these suggestions that there might be a European NFL division so that they don't have to always have the American teams coming over and it will work a different way. It's just, yeah. Again, sorry for the NFL talk for those that don't really like that, but my goodness, does it feed into Spurs and what is a massive cash generator for the football club. And it allows them to, we can talk about January transfers because it allow that, every NFL game pumps millions into Spurs coffers to then be able to put towards transfers. So we don't want anything that messes up that equilibrium right now. Yep. Right. Before we call it a day, uh, there's one thing we wanted to talk about we've just not got around to yet you mentioned ryan mason then earlier in the pod ali uh, about his role what he's doing with the team and he's clearly having an impact he really is yeah it was quite interesting i'm just trying to see if i can find the quote here here we are um so it was when poscoglu was talking about madison's kind of moment with kodasevsky at the corner and then setting up van de ven he said, um, in the second half, we were going to need his clever thinking and outside-of-the-box thinking. And Mace works really hard with the guys on set pieces. And he always says that if it's on early, get it early. Um, and I thought it was really interesting because we've been so used to kind of the Gianni Vio kind of everyone raving about what he did. And Spurs definitely scored far more set pieces. I think it's just almost a natural consequence of just being more organized at set pieces perhaps as well. But I just found that really interesting that of all the coaching kind of duties, I didn't think we probably thought that Ryan Mason was going to take over the set piece stuff. Um, I was trying to think back, have they scored that many set pieces stuff? There's been a few that have led to goals rather than directly, isn't it? Uh, scoring from set pieces, Richarlison's header from Perisic's corner. Yeah. Sheffield United. Yeah. Uh... I think it's mostly been stuff that has then led to a goal with the second phase of it, like we saw on Saturday. There was Romero's and, header from Madison's free kick at Brentford. Yep. Good shout. I couldn't just think go of with those many. two at the moment. I we'll go with those two for now. Yeah, yeah, that'll do. That'll do. But it's just, I found that really interesting. And if anyone saw um, on Friday, I asked Postacoglu about the kind of the breakdown of the coaching staff and who, who they did. And not to go back to NFL again, but. He did say that he's done something he's never done before in his career, and that is create line coaches in a way. So rather than having everyone responsible for kind of the group as a whole and having little split-off kind of stuff, but nothing really strongly defined, he actually very much has Matt Wells and Mile Yedinak working with the defence. He has um, Ryan Mason working with the attacking kind of players, and he has Chris Davies kind of overseeing it all. Um, and it's just really interesting that you kind of wonder how it was before under Postacoglu and why he changed it for this one uh, and this club. And I think, judging by the way he was talking about it, it just seems like he came in and saw that each of the coaches were very talented in their own ways. And he kind of wanted to harness that, the very specific kind of skill sets they had. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's quite clever, really. And, and just the way it's working. Like I said, we saw Matt Wells working with the team before the defence beforehand, um, and we're definitely seeing the attacking movements there. You've got in Ryan Mason and um, Chris Davies, you've got two coaches that absolutely 
favour possession-based, quick passing, attacking football, and we're seeing that. Obviously, Rob Birch with the goalkeeper has done a terrific job with Vicario. Um, Vicario, that was one of the things we said about him was we were worried maybe we'd be pushing the ball out into the centre of the penalty area. Haven't seen that once yet this season. So that's clearly Rob Birch working with him on that and getting that out of his game and, and improving his footwork as well, which was something he didn't have to do too much at Empoli. So, yeah, I, th- I found that really fascinating. I kind of the way I asked the question was a bit like, you know, could you explain your coaching structure if you want to? As <laughs> I was, I didn't want him to kind of reveal any trade secrets. And he was really good. He went into it to a proper detail. Um, it's just all working at Spurs at the moment. You know, first team top of the league, under 21s top of the league, under 18s top of their league now because they absolutely smashed Norwich. Um, I think it was 7 2. Mikey Moore scored a hat trick, got two assists. So they are flying right now as well. I think Herbie James scored as well, the young lad they brought in from Manchester City. Um, it's just weirdly going too well at Spurs at the moment. Just all feels like something wrong's going to happen. Um, I just hope it doesn't because yeah, it's good fun and it actually feels like there's a plan, there's an identity in the women's team as well. The women's team are playing really good football. Um, you know, obviously won at the weekend and they went to Chelsea the previous weekend. And I think there was some kind of record that they'd created more chances or had more shots on goal than any team had done in years against Chelsea and that was away from home um, you know Robert Villaham's got them playing in a way that isn't entirely dissimilar to how Postacoglu has isn't it incredible how if a club stops just trying to chase what they think everyone wants them to do and actually goes back to their principles and their beliefs <gasps> shock horror it all actually works and they've got a real running threads throughout the whole club of wanting to play this certain kind of football. Um, and as Postacoglu tells you, it's not mutually exclusive. It's not good football or winning. You know, you play in a certain way, you can win if you do it the right way. And at the moment, it's working very nicely. Thank you very much. It is. It is. Right. We'll call it a day on today's uh, latest episode of Gold and Guest Hot Tottenham. It is Ali's final podcast for a, a couple of weeks but i'm sure you'll so be where uh, you were going there because <laughs> <laughs> he's dying or something like that yeah but i'm sure you'll be listening in obviously that's dependent on you putting your hand in your pocket and paying for data roaming in australia is that yeah i do that i'm not like you i i, I do keep my phone on when i'm abroad <laughs> right We'll leave that there then for today's podcast. As ever, just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. To grab a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest. You can receive an extra four months for free and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the episode description box.